Welcome to episode 550 of the Drunk Extra Podcast. I'm host as always, I'm Tyler, and join me, we have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sir... Colonel Gables. What is up, buddy? <laughs> oh man, let me tell you something, Tyler. I'm feeling pretty freaking amazing right now. Not only did my work week go pretty good, but I also picked up a freaking new Nintendo Switch. I got the Tears of the Kingdom OLED. The design of it looks pretty freaking fantastic. I'm loving the OLED screen. I've been playing a lot of Advance Wars and stuff, and every ounce of it looks like it's popping. The main reason why I got it is because I've had my launch model, my launch model Switch, literally since, like, early 2018. And I thought that it'd be really appropriate since it's getting tailored and close to the end of the Nintendo Switch's lifespan where, you know what? I'm going to get myself a new Switch because I want to keep on playing games on my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> but uh, other than that, though, yeah, man, it's been it's been pretty fine and stuff. Did have, like, a little incident, though, at my workplace and stuff where just had, like, this random, like, junkie trying to come into the back of our place. But at the same time, though, I mean, other than that, though, man, it's it's going all right. But how have you been doing, Tyler? doing all right you know clanging and banging as always it uh is officially in central time 12 43 a.m uh okay. i am officially 34 years old uh Yay. i am now officially officially in my mid-30s gables um yeah. so still upset that you called me that like two months ago <laughs> i have not gotten over i didn't it. call you that man i thought it's like we're in our mid-30s <laughs> yeah i know but it's still the meanest thing anything's ever, anybody's ever said to me <laughs> I have not gotten over your it. your 60s. Well, we're not there yet, Gables. I got, hopefully I'm like, I'll probably be dead 25 years before I get to there, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, boy. But, uh, uh, no, I'm doing all right, you know. Otherwise, you know, I've had a few of these beers now. Uh, I drank a little bit of coffee a couple hours ago. It's pretty cool. Uh, Gables and I went and almost like a 90-minute like deep dive into TV show spinoffs. <laughs> like before the podcast. Just randomly. Just random. <laughs> I don't even know how you get there, you know. Uh you know how it is you start talking to your friend about shit and next thing you know it's like three hours go by and you're like how f- what the fuck were you what are we even talking about to get here i don't even know and then somehow we learned that we discovered there's a good burgers 2 coming out this year so um yeah we literally did it was yeah. it was crazy it was like a mind-altering moment where it's like there's a good burger 2 being filmed this year yeah it's being filmed starting next week gables um Sheesh. so uh i am you know, there's no better birthday present than Good Burgers 2 learning that's in... I said maybe like Basketball 2 being uh, being made. I don't know oh. if you can talk that. Oh my god, that's one of my favorite cult classic films. Yeah. Basketball. I was listening to a podcast the other day and someone made a quote from that show, from that movie, mm-hmm. and I lost my shit because I'm like, I didn't know anybody else knew this movie but me. Or was, at the very least remembered anything, especially this like <laughs> Very as like first we get the jobs, then we get then we get the khakis, then we get the chicks, and I was like, oh my god, it's basically yeah. I was like, it, it blew my mind. I'm like, home, somebody else 
not only knows that movie, watched that movie, remembers that quote from that 25-year-old movie. Um, oh, my God. All I can remember from that movie is, like, that scene and stuff like that where he's trying to, like, just psych out his opponent or stuff like that. And he just literally just shows the guy's uniform. It's like, hey, that's my wife. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great. I just remember the, the, the part where they, they faced the uh, Australian guys. Uh, or no, I can't remember. I can't remember what it is, but like, they, they like face the one dudes, and like they get called for like a foul. Mm. He's like, oh, because you can't make gay jokes. He's like, oh, it's not a gay joke. It's like an Australian joke. I love that. Oh man, the show's so good. That movie's so good. He's like, you're excited. Fill these nipples. My, what a <laughs> movie is just endless com- comedy. Did I just fart? Oh my god, that movie's so good. Uh, they they really should make another one. I hope they do. Mm. Um, instead of a, a, a third South Park game give me a baseball video game instead i would play the fuck out of that yay what are you guys doing you know no one plays fifa anymore that game's game's dead now they no one wants to play fc sports or whatever the fuck it's called they want to play basketball to 2024 let's get it going come on chop chop anyways uh this is the uh, drunk Asher podcast where every week gables and i get together to talk about video games uh yeah this is the 550th edition of it gables dang we are in the month of our 10 year anniversary yes we are memorial ah. day weekend buddy will be our 10 year anniversary of doing this podcast that's crazy yeah mm-hmm. we didn't go into this thinking we would be recording this long i mean it just yeah. happened <laughs> gables if i knew in at 23 24 whatever it was well i guess i would have been like 23 when we came up with the name of this mm-hmm. we came up with the name well before we came up with the podcast um I would not have called it Drunk Dashers Podcast. <laughs> I would have, no, I wouldn't have I would either. Have of, yeah, I would have thought of something much better. Uh, but when you're, when you're early 20s, uh, hey, you know, that's all we were doing was drinking. So uh, it's sounds like a great, great name uh, in, in early 2013. So uh, I think it was 2012, actually, we came up with the name. So then we, it took us like, we like fucked around for like nine months before we finally started just doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> Jake originally wanted, uh, Jake and I, who originally was talking to you about doing this podcast, he wanted to do like a, like a, um, like a, like kind of like get what Game Grumps does, uh-huh. kind of an idea where we just play, we just play through games, co-op games together, and yeah. break them up into like thirty-minute episodes. Um, luckily, I talked him out of that. And was like, well, if we just do a podcast, um, and luckily for me, that's what we just did. Uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe we we'll better just do. Go, we just started on YouTube ten years ago. Instead of it started <laughs> starting on YouTube in twenty twenty one. I don't know. Uh, who knows? But uh, anyways, we're here now. It's ten years later. We're episode five hundred fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibbles. Yeah. It's been a wild week for video games. No um, shit. For one real reason and one reason only. First off, Gibbles, we are less than a week away from Tears of the Kingdom. Yes, we are. Yeah, we, it feels feeling? marvelous. Man, you're excited. You should feel these nipples, Gibbles. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but uh, my uh it is pre-installed on the switch uh right now uh i clicked on the button to start to try to start the game <laughs> just to see what happened it didn't work <laughs> i had to know i had to find out you know you gotta give it a shot you know what you got i had nothing to lose so i was just thinking of that girl that like uh when they delayed advance wars last year uh-huh. uh, she already had a pre-installed on her switch when they delayed it and she was able to like play through the entire game oh. over a year ago so i'm like what if i'm that guy that got to play Tears of the Kingdom, that wasn't the people that like already playing Tears of the Kingdom. Like I just Nintendo fucked up, and I got the game that way. Yeah, it did not work though. Um, 
but it was worth a shot. I'm going to try like every day though, at least twice a day until the game comes out. I'm going to like wake up Friday morning. It's finally going to work. I'm like, Oh shit, it worked. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, but anyway, we get together every week, talk about video games. If you like this, please like, follow, subscribe. We are live on YouTube right now. Uh, you know, but the podcast goes up later everywhere else. Apple, Spotify. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Facebook. Um, we are pretty much wherever podcasts are at. The main ones we're at. If, if, we're, if there's a place you'd like us to be at, you know, leave us a comment. Um, we really appreciate it. Also, leave us five star reviews, thumbs ups, comments, shares. Shares being the big one. Tell your friends. Uh, there's links down below in the description with uh, links to all of our socials and Extra Life, a uh, cool little charity we do every year in November uh, where we play video games, raise kids for raise money for kids um, at the Children's Medical Network hospitals. So uh, please uh, check that out too, and you know maybe donate to people. Uh, tell some friends, sign up for yourself. That'd be great. Uh, but Gables, mm-hmm. like I said, there's been one real major thing going on in the world of gaming this week. Yep. And that's Redfall. Um, uh-huh. So I got very concerned, Gables, um, when I started reading some stuff last weekend. Because usually I, like, I can sleuth around the internet uh, and yeah. find some shit about reviews before the reviews go live. To kind of, not all the time, but usually you can see some stuff. Um, that will give you an idea of where things are going. Also, by the way, reviews for Tears of the Kingdom look like they're going up Thursday morning. So just yeah. a heads up on that. That's not, it's either Wednesday or Thursday, but it looks like it's Thursday. So that's kind of what I found so far. But anyway, okay, people have been playing the game for like three weeks now also. Uh, but Redfall, um, I was going around looking, looking up some uh, stuff and I was like, all right, look like people were talking about all right, reviews aren't going, the game comes out on Tuesday. And I was finding the reviews aren't going up on, until Tuesday. I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. Um, like, that's not a good sign. Usually, like, I kind of the the rule of thumb for for gaming reviews is the earlier they come out, the usually the more confident they are in that game. Yes. Uh, like you see a lot of times, like PlayStation will usually like tell people like like tell people reviewing the game three weeks before the game comes out that they're playing they've been playing the game, and then the, usually the review is like a week plus out. Um, and there are people do that too, but I know I know PlayStation is kind of the main one for that. Um, but like Nintendo's usually like 48 hours before the reviews drop. I don't know. I wish they do it earlier. Like most of the games are great, are great anyways. Uh, but anyways, so I started. Oh my, okay, so reviews are going coming out till Tuesday. All right, that's fine. Um, not not feeling great about that, but that doesn't necessarily mean the worst thing. But it doesn't mean anything good either. Um, I woke up Tuesday morning, no reviews out. I'm like, okay, no. that's weird. And then I started going online. And then I'm like, oh, the reviews don't come out until 7 o'clock Central Time, 5 o'clock Pacific Time. Like, that's fucking, what? Yeah, and it's then, really, it was really weird. Yeah, and then Xbox announced that you could play the game at that exact same time. I'm like, oh, no. And then the, the, like, some <laughs> reviews started leaking. We started, we started seeing some 4s out of 10s, and a couple 6s and 7s out there. Um, so anyway, the game, I believe, is a 61 and open critic right now. Yes. Which Gables not great when that was like my seventh game I picked in our open uh, our fantasy critic league, so mm-hmm. I took a gigantic L on that one. Um, it's actually yeah. opened at a seventy four, and I'm like, God, that fucking sucks. And now it's dropped, plummeted down to a sixty two or sixty one right now. Last I checked, it was a sixty two. But anyways, um, on the kind of funny X cast, which is the kind of funny Xbox uh, podcast, uh, yes. they announced on Tuesday that uh, Phil Spencer was going to be on the podcast, head of head of Xbox was going to be on the podcast um, that on Wednesday afternoon and the podcast go up Thursday morning. Um, some stuff that I, we did learn later on, it was they actually booked that um, interview a few weeks earlier and they were like 
plenty of some stuff to talk about. Was, they're going to talk about the summer ga- uh, the summer game fest, like they have the Xbox showcase on June 11th, I believe is what yeah. it is. And um, they're going to try. They're going to talk about that, and then the build to that, you have the CMA block the Activision deal. Yep. Like, okay, we'll talk about that, and then obviously the Redfall stuff drops the day before. Um, so Phil Spencer ends up obviously uh, he ends up doing the interview anyways. Um, but uh, it's a lot of interesting stuff coming out. It's only about it's like, it was like a forty minute interview. I highly recommend the interview. Gables and I both watched it. I actually went and uh, watched it a few times. I just thought it was a, a very a really fascinating interview because uh, thought it was. I mean, there's always you're always gonna have some like marketing PR speak in there. Um, but I've always liked Phil, Uncle Phil, because um, I feel like he's of like the big three. He's like the only one that actually like plays video games. Uh, we know Jim Ryan doesn't. Um, I can't remember the CEO of Nintendo. I can't remember his name, but Hurakawa. Hurakawa, thank you. Um, but as far as we know, he doesn't play games. Um, but like Phil's also the only one that actually does like interviews. Um, like he tweets about like games he's been playing. Uh, he right. talks. Like he actually goes on like Xbox podcasts and he talks to people um, and tweets about with like and actually has interactions on like Twitter and stuff like that with like with gamers and stuff like that. And I always appreciate that. I like that. Um, but uh, yeah, like it was, it was pretty shocking that like he's coming out and doing this. But uh, Gary Witter, who was also on that podcast, mentioned that um, that's something I completely forgot about. That he was doing that animal talking, the like the Animal Crossing talk show when COVID first hit, and he would have like celebrities come on, but they would like be their Animal Crossing characters would yeah. come on this talk show. And I remember uh, the day before, Phil Spencer was supposed to be on that show they announced they were delaying Halo a whole year and it wasn't going to make the launch of the Xbox series consoles. And, uh, he still like, you know, Gary was like, I was fully expecting you to draw, like, you know, get the the news that you weren't going to be on the show. He came on the show, took it on the chin. Uh, and here he is. This Redfall, uh, reviews drop takes on the chin. He's here for it. Um, so it was a very fascinating interview. I I really recommend, like we're gonna go through a lot of it. The whole podcast basically like, uh, is going to be a lot about this interview. Um, but, I've kind of broken it out into different topics here, but the main, the first one here is mostly about uh, Redfall and its reception and kind of what went wrong. Um, and I like this because it was, it was, you know, like I said, there's a lot of PR stuff in there and marketing things you're going to talk about. But, um, you know, for the first time ever, we like, usually we always get like the happy, like smile on his face, upbeat Phil. And he he referred to himself multiple times as the grumpy Phil. Uh, and he uh, definitely... Uh, kind of link. He definitely was that throughout the podcast, uh, the podcast and interviews here. So kind of start off here, um, addressing Redfall's disappointing reception in a new, in a new interview with kind of funny's, uh, kind of funny games. Microsoft's head of uh, gaming claimed the platform holder did not expect such negative reception to the game, citing internal mock reviews, which allegedly suggested it w- could have re- received much higher scores. He also suggested that the delay delaying the game further. It was originally due out in 2022 would not have solved the biggest issues. Um, so this is the direct, direct quote from him here. Uh, we do mock reviews for every game that we launch, and this is a double dig- this is double digits lower than uh, where we thought uh, we would be uh, with this game. Uh, that's one of the disappointing things. We would never strive to launch a game that would that we thought would review in the low 60s. It's not our, it's not part of our goals. Um, if you look at our review scores over the past year, and this is not a defense at all, I think the teams have done a much better job at upping the level of quality. Of the games and we've shipped uh and this and this g- game was significantly below our internal metrics compared to where it actually reviewed 
but that's not on anybody uh, anybody but us. We have to own that. Um, so kind of interesting there, Gables. Um, you know, we talk about being below double digits below what he thought. So say double digits, he's probably they were probably expecting mid seventies to low eighties on that is probably what I would anticipate when we when right. Um, and we've definitely seen some of those, uh, you know, in there, but it's, they're obviously very few and far between. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so I've played about three hours of this game, Gables. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they thought they were going to get those sevens and eights. Um, the only thing I thought, so I, I did some, a lot of people were like, so kind of the mock review thing kind of came a big or thing on, not a big thing on Twitter, but I've seen people tweeting about it and retweets about it, like people that did mock reviews in the past and kind of how the whole process works. We're like, so it's not like, so people were talking about, oh, they hire people inside, they just have people inside Xbox review their own games. And it's like, no, these, so they have, they hire um, independent companies that come in and then they bring in usually like former reviewers mm. or people like other people from like other, like that work at websites or formerly worked at websites. And it's like a side job they do to come in and review the game. And, but like they get early builds of the game and they kind of tell them, Hey, here's the issues. Like, you know, the game's not done. Like there's literally like, you might have a character that's not even like, that's supposed to be there. That's not supposed to be there yet. And you might just have a text of what this character's supposed to do. And like, Hey, so like, and they just kind of get a rough idea what, like what they know was the issue. And then they go from there. Right. Um, and so a couple people were talking about like people that have done mock reviews in the past. say it's always tough to do these because it's like, this is what you're told. Like they know the issue will be fixed when the game comes out, but you don't know for sure if that's going to be the case or not. And we've definitely seen no. in the past where even like people like at websites uh, or podcast content creators review games. Um, like the, the infamous thing re- recently with cyberpunk where remember that game came out and the reviews were shockingly lower than what we thought. Like we were thinking that was yes. like the game of the generation and it came out and like the reviews were like, I think it was like, and it was in like the low eighties when it came out and people were mm-hmm. pissed off at reviewers for giving it low scores uh, because they had a lot of technical issues, but they were also told that like they, they they had all these issues, but like they were told a lot of them would be fixed on day one. So they didn't, they kind of glossed over a lot of those issues because they trusted the, the, the developers and publishers that those issues would be fixed. Um, and then when the game came out, the game was obviously, we know what Cyberpunk was. And then everybody was mad at the re- reviewers for giving it too high of a score. Uh, and we saw it just recently with Star Wars Jedi Survivor, like every like every review, every person I heard that played the game for review talked about like there's all these bugs and all these issues, um, and that besides the PC part, but like the PS PS5 and the, the console versions of the game for the most part run really really well. Like there's some minor glitches and bugs here and there, but like for the most part the game is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they talked about like there's a lot of people like we've been burned in the past where we were told like all oh, this will be fixed, don't worry about it, but like they but you know, a lot of them brought up the issues they had, but also try to review around the fact that these were, those bugs were there. So I do think it's interesting where it's like, it's smart to do these, these internal reviews, but it's also like, I think like maybe it's a case of like, you can't, can't be like holy text here. You know what I mean? So kind of when you read all when you heard all that, Gibbles, what was your thoughts on it? Okay. When it came to the internal reviews type of thing, you know, the, Initial thing, I did not know that they were going through and hiring out companies, like a, independent companies, to go forth and try to do a specific play test and also just give like a mock like review things of 
that to the comp the Microsoft company themselves. I mean, that's that's relatively new information from my standpoint. But from what I'm but from what I'm really thinking, it's like I obviously from them doing the mock reviews and stuff, they must have been thinking of like a very low standard or something like that because there had to have been some form of miscommunications between like with Phil Spencer's group and stuff with the development team in general, like the Arcane Studios, I should say, and then mm. between these initial playtesters, because there is nothing really concrete that would suggest at its current form, Redfall is anywhere close to being like a 70s or an 80s style of game. It sounds like there were a bunch of fluff tactics that went into a play, but I can't really specify or name anything since I wasn't a part of any of those type of independent yeah. like mock reviews, but my ultimate thought about it is like there had to have been plenty of miscommunications here between one hand and the other because quite honestly it's like this type of thing going unnoticed and then like there there were supposed to be like cited as like one type of like one type of score but the opposite but it's the complete opposite to where it's like it just sounds like that possibly the independent team was kind of a little bit more hesitant or something like that to view their yeah. actual thoughts and feelings of the game that's what i'm thinking currently. or maybe they were told that like hey this 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 and this will be fixed don't worry about that just tell us the merit like you know and like the, a lot yeah, of the yeah, things they were the told thing. would be fixed weren't actually fixed when the game came out and that's the thing if they were told from the offset okay these things were going to be fixed and stuff from like maybe day one or something or maybe they were given a different type of different kind of like version and stuff that didn't have a lot of those technical issues present that they went through did a mock review for i mean there's a lot of possibilities that could have went wrong for these internal review stuff, but yeah, that's, but honestly, I'm really kind of surprised that uh, it went through that type of rigmarole and still ended up kind of like the total version of what it is currently. Yeah. Um, but some more stuff here. Uh, so Spencer was asked generally about how he decides whether a game should be delayed and the exec said, uh, Xbox wouldn't push a project back if it didn't believe it could realize its creative vision as a result. Um, so some of the quotes here is, um, there are quality issues um, and we're wor working on those, but a fundamental piece of the feedback I get is that the game isn't realizing the creative vision that it had for its players. That it doesn't feel like a, hey, it's just a delay. Um, hey, just delay it. That feels like a, it feels like the game had a goal to do one thing and when the players are actually playing, they're not feeling that. Um, when a game needs to be delayed, like what we did with Starfield, Halo, and Redfall, because of the production, uh, because of, because of the sorry, because of the production timeline is saying we we have this vision and our production timeline doesn't get us to the completion of that vision, we delay games. But when I when I look at the review scores of this game and it and it's and okay, there's a typo here. Um, review scores of this game, uh, it it did what well, it did enough. Wait, I'm sorry. So. I, I copied and pasted. I should have proofread. But when I look at what I look at the review scores of this game, um, it did we have enough creative different different differentiation? Oh, Jesus Christ! It's, it's, it is one one o'clock in the morning here. I'm sorry. And our core idea and and did we realize that creative ambition? I'm a huge supporter of Ar Arcane Austin. Their track record is awesome. I, I love a lot of the game, a lot of the great games that they built. This is one where the team didn't hit their own internal goals. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's maybe a bit simplistic to say, hey, maybe if you just laid it three months, the core creative of the game would have delivered on something than something more than what it was. Uh, so I look at them in, in different camps. 
if there's a production timeline issue, we, we've been open to delaying. If, if we just have more bugs than we should uh, have at the end of the game, we're open to delaying. At some point, we do need to have a creative vision and put the game out and reviewers and players will tell us what they think. In terms of our commitment to the game, absolutely. Um, so he was talking about like this part he was asked about like, um, you know, like the idea of like, are you going to like work on this game, fix it up, you know, because what it is right now. And he says, in terms of commitment to the game, absolutely the team of our, at Arcane is taking the near term feedback. We're still working on the 60 frames for a second update. We have a good, we have a good timeline for that. And we're going to continue to work uh, on the game. We've shown a commitment to the games like Sea of Thieves, Grounded, to, to continue to go and build games. But I also know that these games are $70 and I'm going to take full responsibility for launching a game that needs to be great. We let all, we let a lot of people down this week with the launch of this game, but we will continue to strive on. Uh, we will continue to strive on. You have to. That's what creative creative is about. So, what I take away from all this, he talked about here. Um, let me see if I can find the quote again. Um, uh, here it is. When a game needs to be delayed, like what we did with Starfield, Halo, and Redfall, because the production timeline is saying we have this creative vision, and the production timeline doesn't get us to the completion of that vision, we delay games. But when a I look at review scores of this game and it, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm in the wrong part here. Um, uh, I lost it. So anyways, basically at one point he mentioned here about like, you know, if there's, if it's not reaching the, the creative vision or there's bugs and stuff like that, they will delay. But when it comes to the part where they're just not hitting that vision, you know, like um, maybe it's just that to me, it just sounds like it's kind of, they got to the point where like this game just isn't coming together. It's like, do we like, we've already delayed it a year. This game was come out last summer. So nine, 12 months, this game has been delayed. It's still not coming together. Obviously I'm taking a lot of what, like just a couple, you know, a couple paragraphs here, but from what I get out of this is that this game just was not coming together. And it was just a matter of like, could we, we do we delay this game? And this game was well into well in production before, like there are during the Activision um, Xbox proceedings going on people from um, Bethesda mentioned they were working on a PS5 version of this game and then they got bought by Xbox or Microsoft. So we know this game has been in production for at least what, I think it was 2020 got bought. So say 2019, mm-hmm. 2019, 2020, this game has been in production. So this game has been in production for a while. So maybe it was just like, okay, cool. If we delay another year, like, is it worth it at this point to pay tens of millions of dollars for another delay? Or is it just a matter of like, this game isn't coming together. Let's just put it out. Take the hit. Maybe they didn't think. Obviously, it sounds like they weren't expecting 62, but they're probably like, hey, this game's going to come out. It's just going to be mediocre, but let's just, let's just put it out. Fix it up so the bugs are gone, and then go from there. This is kind of what I'm getting. What about you, Gables? All right. Yes, and that I do kind of like share the same type of sentiment and stuff like that because – in that interview, I remember that uh, they were speaking in regards. I think Phil Spencer was like speaking about it in regards to like when you acquire studios or something like that. Sometimes you inherit the game project previously, yeah. To where it's like, okay, uh, we're gonna go forth. We're gonna help them finish up this last project before they start another project and stuff. From this initial things of what he's made it, of what he was describing and stuff, it kind of sounds like to me, kind of similar to what you were saying. They were trying just to cut their losses to where they were at, hence the saying of hey even if they did 
like delay it for another five months to a year or something like that. It still wouldn't have improved it in certain qualities of it, which is incredibly shitty when you do think about it, because it's like they knew the game at that point was in a, the state that it was at to where it definitely had a myriad of problems. There were a lot of complicated matters that they had to delve into. It could have resulted in regards to maybe mismanagement in a couple different aspects in Arcane. Mm-hmm. It could have meant it could have been a bunch of different things that could have been set in motion to like schedules and like terms of like any type of like uh, bug testing work that may not have been done. Or it could have been just like creative choices and stuff that were clashing with one another between Microsoft and maybe Arcane. You know, it's whatever it was, it contributed to such an extent to where Microsoft knew that this game was in the state that it was in and still decided to release it at a full $70 for people that were willing to go Xbox for games. This is their first $70 game. $70 first party game that they go forth and dish out and it is at the state that it is in. And they full on knew about that personally. So it's like, when you think about it this way, it's it, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. It's like, at that point and stuff, Cut your losses, move on to the next project, do the typical PR thing where it's like, hey, we'll fix, we'll go through and get like a bunch of the stuff like patched, a bunch of things glitched. They're not going to go in depth and support this game, this live service style game for a couple of years, because here's the thing about live service games. If it's not great at launch, it has an incredibly slim chance of surviving more than like a couple of years. Hmm. We've already learned that from this past year with multiple different live service games closing and redfall becomes yet another casualty in this type of mismanagement type of style where you have this game that was hyped up that was in development since like 2019 2020 microsoft went through and inherited this mess while arcane was going through and delving in a lot of the ideas a lot of the creative stuff and even when that whole hodgepodge of stuff just didn't really fit together the way that creatively they wanted to do it they were left with no other choice. They've spent so much time and resources and stuff to where they were trying to recoup some form of costs from this. Mm. But I will agree, though, that this definitely was not the best choice that Microsoft picked for having to be their first premium, like, $70 first-party game. But you know what, though? It's like they had to go forth and start somewhere, and unfortunately, it looks like Redfall was that casualty that a lot of people were afraid of when this thing was first shown for game footage, especially with the IGN stuff weeks, like about a week ago, when people were literally crapping on that guy's gameplay, and then later to come to find out that the controls were the major reason why he was having such difficulties. Remember that? Which you can probably attest to. Yeah, and then I remember, like, he mentioned, uh, Phil Spencer mentioned himself where he was pretty upset when he found when they sent stuff to IGN to, like, post uh, exclusively on their YouTube channel of the game running at 60 frames per second when they knew at that point in time, the game was not going to work at 60, wasn't going to run on consoles at that PC. It does, but on consoles, wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be at 60 frames per second. And like they had the preview event, uh, uh, in early April where the, where they were playing on PCs at 60 frames per second. Uh, so a lot of misleading facts there. And maybe that wasn't like Phil directly. I'm sure like that's probably no. stuff he's not going to like, I imagine like, no, Phil's head of Xbox for certain PR stuff, yeah. but like Still, it had to know, have been people like directly yeah. under him that miscommunicated a lot of this shit. Yeah. And but I'm not trying to defend him here, but yeah, that's definitely no, something I, right there. I know, but I know. Um, yeah, I, the only thing I can think of, like when they release this game, they probably maybe like the top up, like, you know, there's a lot of layers between probably like where he is and the people like 
you know, where like that game was at like a staple launch. There's probably a lot of the game of telephone there. Uh, but once again, it's not trying to defend him. Uh, and he's definitely, he's taken all, he's, you know, he's taking the blame for a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, pretty much all of it actually. Um, maybe they didn't realize the game was like, maybe they just thought the game was like done enough. Like the game wasn't gonna be great, but like they didn't realize all the bugs and all the technical issues are going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe they didn't realize that. So I was like, Hey, put it out. It's gonna be mediocre. Um, and then the game came out and they were not expecting, you know, what it was. But, uh, like I said, they were, he probably saw the internal reviews. and was like, Oh, okay. We're looking at like a 75, 80 here. Like it's not what we want, but it's good enough. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. So later in the interview here, uh, Spencer was asked to ref- reflect on the lessons learned, uh, for, for Xbox and what, uh, they could take from the launch date. Uh, Spencer said he, um, he believes the platform holders should have done more early in the, this is kind of what you mentioned already, uh, have done more early in the game's development in terms of providing assistance to Arcane and setting expectations for what a first-party game needs to deliver. When we when we acquire studios, there are games that are in development, and then there are games that are either really early in development or not even conceived yet, and we think we need to improve on improve and engaging with games that are midway through production when they are become part of Xbox. We've seen... Um, We've all seen like Hi-Fi Rush and Psychonauts 2 yep. well into development when those games, uh, when, when they bought those studios. And, you know, Psychonauts 2, I believe, is a Game of the Year uh, nominee for the Game Awards. And yes. Hi-Fi Rush Excellent is game. Yes. one of the best games of the year so far. Absolutely. Um, so, doesn't mean, you know, I mean, they show in the past those games come out and they've already been, you know, those games were well in development on the way and they were still great. So, maybe they just kind of were two hands off. I don't know. But, uh, anyways. I do think there's a different expectation for a game uh, and a team when you've you've been third party and all of a sudden you become part of first party. There's a, there's a different expectation in terms of how you're you're going to perform on our console, and I think there's a different competitive set competitive set when people look when people look at what this game is and say, hey, I want this game to feel as competitive as this other game on another console platform. Um, and we didn't do a good job early on in engaging Arcane Austin to really help them understand what. We meant to be part of Xbox and part of first party. And we used some of our internal resources to help them move along that journey even faster. We left them to work on the game. They're a very talented team. I love them. I love that team. I still do. And I will totally bet on them to do another great game. We should have been there um, for uh, Harvey, who's the creative director for that game and the team earlier. I think that's on us. Uh, And then, and then, and then through the process, it's uh, unreal engine. It's unreal engine game. We have a bunch of studios that have done some really great work on Unreal over the years, and I think we were too late to help uh, in that when they had certain issues. So he did mention later on that uh, they eventually had a Coalition, uh, who is mm-hmm. the, you know, the Gears people. They were basically a spinoff of Epic Games studio that made the original Gears, uh, and they had Rare come and help yep. later on uh, be like a support studios for, for Redfall. Uh, but they realized, like, beginning of this year, they realized but the issues with the 30 frames a second when they should have been on that in, in last fall, but they realized too late about this being the case that I wasn't going to be ready. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, a, he makes really great points about, you know, the expectations of being first party because it's different when you are not only a console exclusive, but you are in, in like a first part when you, when, when you turn that game on and you see Xbox game studios, there's a different expectations for that where like mm-hmm. if this game came out now and it was like a Bethesda was never bought by Xbox and it was just arcane studios that worked for, that was a Bethesda studio. This game would come out 
it would probably just be a blurb that we'd mentioned um, in like the other news this week stuff. And yes. there'd be like, there'd be a little bit of backlash. There'd be a little bit of people upset and shocked about the, the state of this game. Um, we would talk about it for a week or two. We would have talked about it until the, the Breath of the Wild reviews came out. Yes. Or Tears of the Kingdom reviews, sorry, uh, come out and we'll never speak of this game again. But under Xbox, it's magnified. different. Yeah, it's magnified because the only the last decade plus we talked about a couple weeks ago with like the this, the last 12 plus years of Xbox for first party games coming out uh, has been uh, not been great. Um, so there's that on top of it. So there's a lot more expectations on you. Fair or not, there just are. Um, actually, just not, not it's not fair to, to Bethesda. They weren't they didn't ask for the like you know well Arcane not fair to Arcane Austin. They didn't ask for this, that, that expectation, that pressure. Uh, but hey, they got it. Um, and now this becomes, now we're, this, it's a whole thing. It's like the entire world, like the entire video game world is talking about this game. I have like people like at work that I talk to that know I play a lot of video games um, asking me, like I had multiple people ask me about Redfall. It's like, oh, hey, did you buy Redfall? I'm like, oh, I played on Game Pass and stuff. And it's like, it's like, man, I was watching the videos. I can't believe that. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I was telling like, I was really upset because like I was actually, I was really looking forward to this game. It's like, both of them said to me, I never heard of this game until the reviews came out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, there's a lot of people like it. Uh, like we, sometimes we forget, you know, it's like, that's why I always talk about like, when I like to, re- like, I like to go through those NPDs. Cause like mm-hmm. we get in our bubbles, we get in those Twitter bubbles, those internet bubbles that we, we the YouTube like circle that we get into, but we don't realize like, man, there's a whole different world out there when it comes to video games that we don't understand. Uh, Absolutely. And that's part of it. And yeah, it's like, this is a whole different L where, you know, like I was, I was listening to the uh, kind of funny X cast a few weeks ago, and Gary Widow was talking about we call ourselves the X the X cast, but we should be calling ourselves the L cast because all we're doing is taking L's in the Xbox uh, side of things. <laughs> and it's like, and that was before the Activision stuff happened last week. That was yes. before this happened this week. So yeah, it's like it's just one more thing after another. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, Gables, kind of what, what was your um, your your thoughts on all this process? Well, to be quite honest with you. It's like, it's kind of like, kind of like a piggybacking of what I just previously had just said, you know, it's like in terms of like an impression in terms of the outsiders looking in and stuff, the casual person that's not really in depth inside of the gaming industry or a lot of the news that or pay attention to a lot of it, like say what we do, they're going to look at that the first time, but like maybe hearing about Redfall and stuff it's like, oh, oh my God, this game is that bad. Or something like that. This is a live service game. There's all these issues and stuff. I don't. I don't want to play this on the Xbox or something like that. Or, you know, I'm not gonna. I don't even want to buy an Xbox. All these games or something like that that they put out or blah blah blah. You know, it's that first impression of a game when it first launches and stuff is the most important because that dictates to what you spend, what the consumer will spend on that initial game at launch. And the lesser the score, obviously, the less likely someone's going to want to try your game, even on a service like Game Pass. Mm. But with it comes a couple of caveats, too. You know, it's like not only is it like people not wanting to delve and like wanting to play, but yet that same that same consumer base that's not in ton like inclined with like. Uh, little bit of the know-how in terms of what Xbox games are going to be coming out or this or that, they're going to be less likely to spend on uh, other stuff on your platform. Because if you're known as, if you're known as that game company or something that only puts out maybe a few games, like first party games or something like that. And 
you put out this, it's like the less likely they're going to want to spend on you and more on your competitor, like a yeah. PlayStation or a Nintendo, or maybe they just want to just do something else entirely. You never know. But that initial look with Redfall, that was their chance to go and prove to people that, hey, you should be buying an Xbox or you should be invested inside Game Pass so you can play this game. And instead, it's turned into the exact opposite reactions of both what Arcane Austin and also what Microsoft had wanted, which is driving away people and just having this big old freaking backlash. Yeah, um, it, it's something I talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about the 30 frames per second stuff where, mm-hmm. you know, like we're at this point now with Xbox of like just a decade plus now of just not having a lot of games and they do come out. They're not up to the standard of what we expect. Like I love Gears more with Gears 4 and 5 than I love. Like I've always, I love Gears games. I love all the mainline ones, even Judgment. And yes. But four and five are my two favorites, but like Gears is just not Gears of what, what Gears War meant in the two thousands, you know? No, like it, it just doesn't it isn't. Even though I love it more now than ever, um, you know. And it's like other than you can't like Forza, yeah, it's great. Like you know, like the Forza games are always come out and they're fantastic, but like that doesn't move the needle like, um, you know, like to like what you know what doesn't move the needle is like a Halo or kind of like it doesn't get like the you know. The game, like the game awards, I mean, as little as it, it may matter to a lot of people, the grand scheme of things, but like, it does yes. matter. It does, but it does make a difference because like, those are games we talk about for years on end. Like we talk about, like mm-hmm. we talk about last year with the game awards. Like, the and there's never been a first party game to ever win a uh to ever win at the game awards ever, even in the Spike TV era, never that's even won. I think there's only been one that's been nominated. I think Second House 2 is the only one that's ever been nominated. I'm not even sure if that's number that correct. Um, which that game was well in development before they were bought by Xbox because that was a, uh, um, not GoFundMe. What was the? Uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Thank you. It was a Kickstarter game way back when. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it's, yeah. Like I said this about Redfall. Like this game can't come out and be, like I said a few weeks ago, like we can't like, Xbox is in a state where they can just put out this game and it'd be a 75. And that's mm-hmm. why when the 30 frames, I didn't think this would be the game breaking issue, but it was definitely a major concern, but it wasn't like the thing that was like going to kill it for us. But like, okay, like this scares me, but it doesn't like, it doesn't like break it. And like, and I thought this game was like, okay, fuck this game's gonna be 75 and then <laughs> the 62 <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. We're, it's, it's, it's rough. Uh, but Let's 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 move on to a, kind of a it's same kind of stuff here, but different part of the interview here. We talked about the future um, of kind of like Xbox. Um, so kind of like this is like the the biggest like honestly the part the part that kind of blew my mind more than anything um, was uh, as well as many other people. Yeah. So Spencer <laughs> was asked if uh, Xbox is taking its eye off the console market by focusing too much on PC. In response, Spencer said Microsoft would be wrong to think that just being building great console titles could help it take overtake Sony and Nintendo in terms of hardware, uh, in terms of hardware sale. Instead, it's chosen to pursue different strategies to the Japanese companies. One focused on fulfilling developers visions of enabling customers to play their games on any screen. So here's what he said. Uh, we're not in the business about consoling Sony or out consoling Nintendo. There isn't really a great solution or win for us. 
and I know that we will. I know that will upset a ton of people, but it's just the truth of the matter that when you're third in the place and the console marketplace and the top two players are as strong as they are, and have a have in a certain cases a very very discreet focus on doing deals and other other things that kind of make being Xbox hard for us as a team. Um, that that's on us, not anybody else. He added, I see commentary that if you just built great games. Uh, everything will turn around. It's, it's just not mm. true that if we go off on, and build great games, then all of a sudden you're going to see console share shift in some dramatic way. We lost the worst generation to lose in the Xbox One, uh, where every everybody built their digital libraries of games. So when you go and you're building on Xbox, we want our Xbox community to feel awesome. But this idea that if you just focus more on great games on our console, that somehow we're going to win the console race, I think that I think doesn't really lay into the reality of most people. I see a lot of pundits out there that kind of want to go back to the time where we all had cartridges and discs and every new generation was a clean slate and you could switch the whole, the whole console share. That's just not the whole, that's just not the world that we are in today. There's no world where Starfield is 11 out of 10 and people start selling their PS fives. That's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, this part kind of blew my mind. Cause like, it's great. So last mm. week, I talked about, uh, like we talked about cloud gaming with the whole Activision being blocked by the CMA, and I said, yes. talk about cloud gaming because I was like, okay, I, I was thought, I said Xbox is doing it the smartest because they already have that built-in library of all the ones that are doing it between like Google trying to do it on live, uh, Ouya stuff like that, or Amazon Luna, like they already have this built-in library of people where like, hey, these yes. games you already own, now you can play on XCloud, or hey, if you have Game Pass, boom, here it is, you can play it on XCloud. And I was like, that's really smart. Like I mentioned, I have an iPhone. Not because I am loyal, like I'm a loyal Apple guy. It's just like every time I buy a new iPhone, I just log into the, the new iPhone. And it's download, easier to do it, it that downloads, way. has all my logins, has all my apps. They're in the same spot, has all my pictures. And it's like they've kind of got me because they've got all my stuff. And it kind of blew my mind because like I mentioned this whole thing last week about xCloud and did not uh, kind of like, tie that to the current console generation and it's like it's such a great point where they, yeah yeah i agree we're like you know like the idea of buying games digital like it started in that ps3 360 era but yes, like it, it really didn't blow up because like obviously hard drive space like remember the price of like i remember like i think it was like 120 gigabyte hard drive for the 360 was like like a hundred dollars or something like that um, yes it was fairly expensive back yeah then. and now it's like they come with a, a terabyte and you can get like another terabyte for like less than 100 bucks now I know. Uh, right? So you can talk about the, you know, you look at the PS4 and Xbox One era where like when we went into it, like, you know, I went into that, that last generation, the PS4, Xbox One era, like pretty open-minded. I had all three consoles, but I was like, I just like, I've always thought about, I go where the games are. And obviously we all know what happened in 2013 with those press conferences. Everybody went to, they, they bungled that one. That's not Phil Spencer's fault. He was there, but he wasn't, that was Don Matrick. Right. He was, you know, and they, they, we know what happened there. And yeah, like, so going in this generation, going into those press conferences for, in 2020, it's like, this is, you know, PS5, all they got to do is not fuck it up. And they didn't fuck it up. And I've, I've mentioned this over and over and over again, that we've never seen, and I'm not going to include Nintendo in this because like really we on, because they've always been kind of like, they've always done something different. Like they're not part of like, they've like, after right. GameCube, they realized, hey, just trying to fight power with power. Is it going to work? We got to do something different. And it's worked out. You know, the weed worked out big time for them. The Wii U, not at all. Switch, yep. obviously, worked out well for them. Um, 
but we have not seen ever in the history of really like gaming where someone took over without the other one fucking up a little bit. We look at PlayStation. Right. PlayStation 1 took over because Nintendo 64 wanted to stick the cartridges. So it pissed yep. off a lot of the main Square Enix, stuff like that. So they went, boom, we're going to PlayStation. You know, same thing. PS2 just kind of carried on from that. And then 360 took off because not only you had Xbox Live, you had, uh, so the online gaming was a big part of that, but also PS3 got cocky uh, with their mm-hmm. really difficult to work for console. And $600, hey, get a second job to play our, our, our games. And then you look at, you know, when the Xbox One, obviously the TV, 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 sports, sports, sports. And, you know, if right. you want to play games, they literally said this. If you want to play games, get an Xbox 360, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> so then you look at this generation, this last generation we'd had, like basically in the 2010 era, where like, yeah, like a lot of people just digital gaming is now almost 50% of purchases out there now is, is digital gaming. Uh, yep. it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. And I, 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 I think it, it might have actually be over half that now. Might almost it be, is over half. Yeah, it might be over half. But I don't know if that includes like games that you get full digital releases that could include like, you know, smaller indie games, stuff like that too. But I'd love to see the breakout of that. Um, But yeah, like he, he's totally right. And like, I actually really agree with like, you know, you look at like, I, I, I agree with everything he says here because like, obviously making great games like he's not saying it's not like yeah make just make great games isn't gonna help it will help that definitely will help no duh but you know like it's not gonna flip it it's what's gonna flip it is like playstation really like really fucking it up uh for them to like switch that because i'm not gonna count the switch in this because nintendo's gonna nintendo and they're fine um but between those two between the the blue and the green brands here yeah they're not gonna flip it with, with just all of a sudden, unless they just come out with like 10 bangers every year or just something crazy like that where they can flip it. But um, yeah, like I, I think I can, I can understand where he's come from. I can, I can understand the frustration of like gamers really like they look at like xCloud, Game Pass and peace focusing on PC where like you look at like, oh, maybe they've lost the focus. And they, they and I think my, Mike, so like Mike mentioned like that in there of like, um, you know, have you, have you lost the focus on it? And he says, no, they haven't. And, uh, I agree to a certain extent here because like, but he says like, we're, we're taking those games and we're not just making them on consoles. We're making it like, we want you to, we, we wanted to put it where everywhere else is at. And that's the thing is like, sometimes the easiest thing to do, the hard part is like, you know, trying to get people to come to you. The easy part though is right. like, instead of trying to make you come to us, what if we just go to you? And, you know, we talk about like Nintendo, found their success by changing the whole strategy around. Like we're going to find a different way to get gamers and they, on the Wii. And that worked out big time. The switch obviously worked out big time. Uh, and th- to them, it's like, okay, we can't just, they said, and he said himself, we can't just out console Sony. We can't just make, you know, their, ver- their version of the games are for us on our consoles. Like that's just not going to like, yeah, it will help, but it's not going to flip it. It's not going to turn around it's being on PC day one. It's being on X cloud. It's being, you could play your games on your phone. You could play, you could stream your games wherever. Like that's the thing that's going to help. That's the, the major thing that, that's getting a head start on that. That's the main thing we've even seen now PlayStation, like putting their games eventually on play on PC. So, um, I don't know. I, I, in the fact he said that they're in third place, right? Those two things really blew my mind. But, uh, I mean, Gables, what, what was your kind of your thought process coming out of that? 
Although I do agree with some portions of what Phil Spencer was saying in terms of statements, where it's like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely the generation or something like that at this point in time to where you're not really relying upon discs or like carts or something like that because everything is like getting towards entirely digital stuff. But at the same point, I thought the I thought the statement was kind of loaded in some instead because. Sure, maybe one or two great games or something like that isn't going to contribute to the overall complete, like, switching of fortune or something for what uh, the Series S or the Series X or something like that that's currently going through. But there is to be said that if you had multiple different games that just not just resonated, and I'm not just talking about games that score, like, about 80s to their 90s or something like that, but even... Something similar to what Sony has been doing in terms of even things I've been rating like in their mid to late 70s stuff, like a Stray or like a Sia, like Chia or something like that, to where it's like it's recognizable, right? You have, or yeah, even Sackboy to some extent, even though, you know, partially here and there and stuff. But having a consistent group of good games going through first party wise on top of the fantastic stuff that was built upon that stuff does contribute to people go through in purchasing your system and a complete reversal of fortune in some aspects. Now, granted, if if this were like the opposite, you know, if, say, Sony was in this sort of situation that Microsoft is in and vice versa and stuff, I mean, they would not be saying this, obviously, Mm. but in this aspect of it, I don't believe Phil Spencer when he's saying that just focusing on making like just focusing on making great games isn't going to turn the complete fortune. It can it can to some extent to where you go through and you put out some great games, right? And you get a lot of people to come back and go through and to buy a lot of this different content. Well, they're doing on top of with Game Pass and stuff like that. I mean, Yes, that definitely does have a lot of momentum that can go and ease you into not just not just success for this current generation, but for whatever they decide to do next outside that stuff. However, a lot of the failures that they've done is to try to reestablish what has worked for them in the past. The Halo series to be one, the Gear series to where it's like stalled right at this moment in time. And it feels like some of these franchises peaked in the Xbox 360 generation and they've been struggling to get back from that whole Xbox One generation in general. Hmm. So even if there's like maybe a handpicked amount of games or something like that, it feels like to me that they, from what Phil was initially saying in this interview throughout this part of the interview and stuff, that they've kind of given up in terms of trying to compete full on with like these consoles because they know for a fact it's like it's not only just incredibly difficult just to go forth and get to that extent but i feel like they've lost their way a lot of the different with a lot of the different things in order to make these consistent great games as these other publishers hence why they're going through their philosophy entirely different game pass is great when it comes to the indie stuff a lot of the different first party stuff but I kind of feel like it's kind of defeatist in terms of what he's presenting it with. I mean, for God's sakes, I understand Phil Spencer is honest with a lot of what he's been saying at this point. Because, yes, a lot of this blame is on him, too, as well as the entirety of the staff they got at Microsoft. But at the same point, you know, it's like great games we know for a fact can sell consoles especially first party consoles look at what you got going from the past and stuff what made the xbox 360 sell to a certain extent it's because they had genre defining games we're talking about gears of war we're talking about games that were emphasized of helping re 
revitalized the entire genre with Halo Combat Evolved on console, which quickly went like Halo 2, Halo 3, the advent of online multiplayer stuff. Microsoft was key in making this stuff popular and making this the forefront that changed the entire industry forward to where when they went into the next generation afterwards, they got too overconfident. They released something that was half-assed in nature, and that's what led to their initial decline that they're still trying to struggle out of since 2013 and quite honestly it's just them admitting their faults right and they got a lot of things to work with but at the same point it's like they wouldn't be in this situation if they did not go forth and structure things well in the past now it just kind of sounds like sort of a post-mortem in some aspects of but um i don't know i agree with someone you're saying I, I think we were taking a little bit what he said like a little bit out of context where like, right. I think what he's saying is not just having great games, just having great games won't flip the war basically. Right. Right. I don't think he's not saying that. Oh yeah. Like we're not focusing on making great games cause that's not going to matter. I think he's saying, right. Right. We can have, like you said, we can have Starfield be 11 out of 10. That's not going to change things. What will right. change I, the, maybe cause like I said, we've never seen the, the console wars flip. And I think the whole console war thing's stupid. Just like go, just go where the games are at, people. Just, there's great games everywhere. Just go fucking play them. Um, mm -hmm. But we've never seen the tides turn when the other one is successful. It's like I said. It's always right. I, I give all these examples of like the, the war is always flipped when the other one fucks up and the other one takes it and runs with the ball. You know, like they they drop the ball, the other one picks it up and runs with it. That's where the yes. War is and it's some, I said this over four years ago, Gables. I remember, I distinctly remember this saying this for four years ago at my old place I lived at. I could picture in my head. We yeah. have never seen it where all three are, are fucking killing at the same time. That's and I'm like, and I said it over four years ago. It's only a matter of time before it happens. And it was over four years ago I said that. And it's still, still true. We have not seen that. But like, we have never, but what that does happen, and I believe it still will eventually happen. I do believe. Xbox in the next, I won't be shocked in a year from now. We're looking at Redfall and we're kind of laughing at it. Like, man, imagine, remember when yeah. they fucked that up? Remember, like now, Starfield is a banger. Hellblade 2 is a banger. Whatever next is up is a banger. Um, but if, say, all three are just killing at the same time, that's not going right. to mean they're all of a sudden first place. No. Of course we need, not. They need one of those two to fuck up. So that's what I mean. We're like, it's all about like, and like, that's what Phil's saying is like, they, you know, they lost the most important war they can lose because there's people that are just like, now they're just tied to PlayStation because the yep. last decade now, they've just been buying PlayStation. They have digital games on PlayStation. And now it's harder where like the Switch now is even like, you know, they really focus on digital gaming as well, buying games digitally, especially with the voucher stuff. So you've got people entrenched in that as well. Obviously different, but still it's a factor. Um, but like, just look, focusing on PlayStation versus Xbox here. Um, like I said, it's hard to like turn those average Joes that like most gamers aren't like us, Gables, that own no both or all three consoles. Most only buy one, one and maybe have the Switch. We always talk about possibly. The, we always yes. talk about the what was it, the Wii sixty era where you can buy a Wii and a three sixty for the price of the PS three. I think yep. it was the whole point where like most gamers that had two consoles had a Wii and a P a Wii and a three sixty, not a PS three. Um, right. So yeah, like I think I understand where he's coming from, and I, I can understand the strategy. And it's like, like there's I don't think it's a bad strategy of like, let's with X with with the cloud with Game Pass with PC. Like it's just well, smart yeah, to be yeah. in more places at once. 
the the idea of Xbox is to not like I said go to where gamers are, not bring you to them. And it's like I said, it's easier to do that. And like yeah, like the Xbox isn't just a console this port this portion. It's this whole thing, and it's a whole ecosystem. It's a whole ecosystem. Of wherever you. you can play. Yeah, um, yeah. So. I don't know. Like I, I, I understand where it's coming from. Is it going to work? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I think people are like, I've seen a lot of people like taking that uh, kind of what he said and kind of blowing it up. And I, I don't right. agree to that extent, but I understand like where they're coming from. But like I said, like he's not just saying we're not, we're not focusing on great games because it's not going to matter. He's saying just making great games. Isn't going to change it for us. And I think right. he's not wrong because as long as Spider-Man 2 is coming out, as long as Naughty Dog's putting out Naughty Dog-style games, as long as Somniac, we're going to get Wolverine next year, um, we have all these other games. Like, well, I guess we don't really know a lot what's coming from them, but I don't know. Like, They have a lot of great studios over on the PlayStation side. They have a lot of great studios over on the Nintendo side. I don't know when that train's going to stop rolling for them. So um, That's true. And like, I mean, we've seen like, PlayStation's yeah. jacking up prices, and it's still the best-selling console. Uh, they're outpacing the PS4. So, I mean, they look like they can kind of just do whatever they want. and Unless they do a gigantic misstep. Yeah, and honestly, like, you look at, like, they have, like, what they said, they have over a 10 games, Lysaurus games in development right now. Maybe that's the misstep that Xbox needs for them to turn this thing around. That's the only, like, that's what I look at. Like, if they focus too much in that direction and they kind of lose their way, that's what Xbox. That's the opening for Xbox, and I don't want that. I don't think most gamers want no. that. No. So, um, but I want the we want gaming to... industry is at its most healthiest when you have all of the major companies, the three major companies, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo, both producing excellent games at a pace that's not only comfortable but also is enticing to keep and sustain the initial consumer base that it has, but also brings in a lot of new players or a lot of people that maybe have laughed or whichever and stuff, and they can still enjoy incredible content regardless of where they play it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, and I think uh, Gary would have mentioned that one point in the podcast where like, you know, we've seen people like taking shots at Red Falls, celebrating mm-hmm. its, you know, its failures. And um, I think it's stupid, but it's like when new IPs fail, that's bad for everybody. Not just you know, in the entertainment world as a whole. You know, when, and that's why you see so many like cookie cutter games that come out and you see sequel, 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 sequels. Because they emulate uh, the same thing or a sequel yeah. of the same thing yeah. that's been going over. So a failing new property is bad for the industry in general. It's because you're not going to get more creativity. You're just going to get the same yeah. every time almost. Yeah. And, and he mentioned that where like, you know, he doesn't like people were saying like, I'll just make more, make Dishonored 3 instead. And it's like, and Phil said, I'm pushing back on that because. You know, we've seen Tango Gameworks make Hi-Fi Rush. We've seen Rare make um, uh, Sea of Thieves. You know, like, we've seen these studios, like, branch out and do different things. The thing is, sometimes, sometimes we remember the failures more than we remember the successes. Uh, and that works vice versa as well. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, what was your, I mean, kind of like, final thoughts, Gables, on all this? What was, kind of, how are you feeling on it? Well, kind of, uh, well, to be honest with you, my overall thoughts of the whole Phil Spencer interview and stuff, I can understand why that there were at some points where he felt like he was definitely grumpy. I mean, hell, dealing with all that stress and all that negativity and stuff over the past month. I mean, granted, that would 
put anybody in sort of a like a bad mood. But in regards to him being just open, being upfront with a lot of the major missteps that have occurred and him owning up to it. I mean, yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, he's owning up to the stuff that he should be owning up to. That's like a common thing in terms of like a PR thing in general to admit, yeah, there were some missteps, there were some things here and stuff. But at the same time, when it comes to when it comes to like just the overall thoughts that he had in times of that's and like the whole not just the thoughts that he had, but also in terms of like how he was explaining certain aspects of it, like how the whole, like the whole great games dealing and stuff that we just went through and talked about and stuff. And like the whole things being different and stuff from past generations compared to this one and stuff. I thought it was eye opening to some extent because it's like, yes, yes, we are definitely inside of a new age and stuff to where digital is starting to become more the norm. and has been since the, since their quote unquote worst generation to lose stuff. So it's like, I felt the interview was honest to some extent. There were some stuff that I didn't agree with, obviously, but at the same point, it just leads to the point where it's like, it led me to believe that Microsoft really needs to do a better job of managing their first party content. Cause it feels like, in my honest opinion, that they are lost in a lot of their first-party stuff that they have for future-wise. It makes me, as a gamer, hesitant about some of their next releases for first-party. For example, Starfield. For another one, Hellblade 2. That's not to say that these couldn't be fantastic games, but at the same time, when you have missteps like Redfall that was touted as a major first-party game, and it being mismanaged like it was and had the issues that it did at launch, it makes not only myself, but many of the outsiders looking in thinking, why should I bother with Xbox if they don't have the first-party quality games I want to play currently? What makes me want to play this over going to PlayStation and playing their library of first-party games or stick with Nintendo and play their first-party games. But other than that, though, this is probably one of the most, like, honest reviews, like, honest interviews that we're going to be having from someone that's not named Satoru Iwata. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> as much as people are giving Phil Spencer shit and, like, want him to be fired and all this other stuff at the opposite end of the spectrum and stuff we're looking at someone that's not only admitting admitting yeah things went entirely wrong and we need and like xbox needs to do a better job in terms of managing that stuff but at the same time it's like there's a lot of courage to go into not just going up there especially after major shit has happened you know he could have just openly just like canceled this entire interview thing and just gave a, like a basic PR statement and, and yeah we would have griped even probably further in that regards to it but he chose to still come on to the kind of funny like games cast explain a lot of the issues and missteps with the questions that Gary Witta and then like freaking like Paris Lilly was asking him and, you know, especially Paris Lilly because how yeah. eloquently he has the perspective of like being not just a gamer in general, though, but his insights in the Microsoft ecosystem for years, especially with, like, him delving into the past previous generations alongside of, like, one of his cohorts and stuff like that, Danny Pena and stuff from Gamertag yep. Radio. Yep. All of these insights and stuff, it was 
a fleshed out it was definitely a fleshed out perspective from like multiple different like interview things this is like one of those rare interviews to where i felt fascinated watching it over and over again even from different perspectives of people like say maximilian do to like uh, oh my gosh young i think young yeah also in terms of that stuff it made me want to go forth and re-examine it to try to get a full perspective of things that want that I wanted to try to figure out. Like, why was these statements said? What was going on in terms of this planning? But the major thing, like I stated, that I've learned is Microsoft needs to do a better job managing the first parties. That's basically what I got out of it. Yeah. Um, I, agree, I agree with you on a lot of that. Um, I did have a quote here, yeah, like I want to point out. So, um, so you mentioned how Paris Lilly, uh, said last year during the showcase, you had that 12 month plan. We saw all these games are showing off are yep. coming on the next, next year. Uh, he said, you didn't necessarily deliver on the games. And then nope, Phil cut him off right there, right then and there. He said, no, we didn't deliver. There's no necessarily we didn't deliver. And, um, there's one other point where he they talked where Paris Lilly said 2022 was a light year and Phil interrupted and he said, uh, you call it a light year. I have other words I'd say for that. <laughs> so, uh, he very, he was, so he was very uh, real on that. And I, yeah, like you said, like obviously, like you always got to take everything with a grain of salt here. It's just PR marketing uh, speak. You always take that. But yeah, I agree with you. Like very real. One of the most real conversations we've ever gotten from a head of a company in the gaming world that I can remember. Um, so that's why one thing. I'm, <laughs> yeah, Zephyr Wada. Um, obviously, with the Askawadas, and then like. Obviously, like the, I have the utmost respect for Iwata, um, for like when he took the fifty percent pay cut, so they have to lay yep. people off because it's like we make the decisions, we failed, we need to take the hit on this. Um, so yeah, like he, like that's one of the things that he mentioned throughout the, the podcast was like, you know, like the, he saw the stuff about people saying hashtag fire to fill, like that. He's like, I get the frustrations, I understand that. He's like, he even mentioned like at one point where like he was very excited for the showcase next month, and like he's like, you guys have no reason to believe me at this point, and I totally get it. Uh, about like I'm really excited for the future and stuff like that and it's like like it definitely tells me like he listens he understands or he has smart people out there that work for him that listen and right. understand and report back to him and he trusts because like he definitely seems like he gets it and he's not in this weird like bubble up on the high in the high floor somewhere that just right. doesn't get it yeah we talk about like sometimes like we hear a lot of stories about how Nintendo just doesn't hear the complaints out there about stuff we hear the same thing with like Jim Ryan we get that and like Ubisoft yay all in, in corporate in, in all corporations everywhere, but like just in our aura here of video games, like uh, it definitely seems like he gets it more than the others do. Um, right. Um, like I said, it was nice seeing Phil on like this side where like, I don't, I don't like, I don't like, I don't want to see anybody upset. You know, it definitely sucked to like hear this interview and him like be on this podcast and do this interview for this reason, you know, cause like usually we get the, yeah. the more positive, happy, go lucky Phil. Well, like, but thing. it was, I mean, let's think of it from this perspective, Tyler. It's like, Let's just say you had to do something similar to Phil or something like at your job and stuff. You probably wouldn't be happy or you no. wouldn't be rather like uh, – you'd be rather probably frustrated or something like that too in that retrospect yeah. too. He definitely handled a lot better I think than most of us would. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and this public, you know, especially because like our jobs, we fuck up five We're people gone. Know about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but like even if we fuck up, five people know about it ever. Yes. Uh, he fucks up. Millions of people like it's – Redfall is, is – Next box the laughing stock of the video game internet right now, um, but and we, like I talk about the whole fire fill thing, it's like obviously a little bit of bias here because I, I I you know I love Uncle Phil here. Um, there's a reason reason why we call him Uncle Phil. 
second best Uncle Phil in all over the world. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I don't, I, the whole Fire Phil thing, I don't agree with yet. Um, you know, I'm never going to say, like, we need to fire this person. I'm never going to go, like, push them to, like, have the, lose their job. But, um, you know, he was handed a pretty shitty situation. I think he took over in, like, 2016. Uh, yeah. 2015, 2016. Uh, obviously, the way Don Matrick had that company set up uh, in that, that era, we know how bad it was. Like, they were so focused on TV, Connect, TV, 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 Sports, Connect, Xbox One. Yep. Being an all-in-one box, not a gaming box. Minehead Studios being shut down. Uh, Fable being run into the ground. Halo mm-hmm. uh, having tons and tons of sequels. Um, you know, like, it, it's a... Video games... It's a much different world we talk about all the time. Like games now take five, six years to to make. We're like, cool. Say we fire him now. We're talking twenty thirty before we like that person gets a chance to like have their vision shown off because now they're like they're taking over games that are, are we're not gonna, like the games are in you know he's just taking over games that were kind of like in the same place where Phil is right now where he's taking over games that were like two three years in development. And now they got to flip around. Like I said, you're right. Like, you think you're right. Whereas like they need to do a better job of like, especially the studios they are buying where like mm-hmm. the big thing you always hear about with like Phil and his team is like, they're very hands off, which in theory is a great thing. But sometimes, you know, you might, you, you need that. You need someone like, a, I was saying like a, a firm hand in the sense of like, you need that person to kind of like apply a little bit of pressure here to like, we all work. A, one of us work a lot better under pressure. Uh, and like, Maybe you wonder, like, a lot of these teams that they bought, like, worked under much smaller budgets than what they're used to. And, like, yes. having more money, that's great for them. They don't have to worry about the stress of, like, you know, being out of jobs. The studio closes or, like, now they can, like, they can do way more with, what you know, what they were initially planning. But also, maybe, like, this team, like, just throwing out a number here. Maybe they're used to making a game for $2 million. Now they got $100 million. It's, like, they don't know what the fuck to do now. <laughs> like, oh, my God, what? So, like, maybe, they're you know, sometimes you hear about, like, people, like, they do their best work under the most pressure like they got to work around these certain criteria. And I don't know. You look at Hellblade was like a really amazing game. That was like a five hour very small game. And now it's like, I look at Hellblade two. I'm super excited for that game. I love Hellblade one. Right. Um, but like Hellblade two is like, I don't know what the game's going to be. And it's like, the game looks fantastic. looks amazing. But it's like, it looks like there's a lot more money into that thing than what the first game was. So true. Maybe you like, I don't know. Um, yeah, like I, like I'm always I'm I am a sucker for a leader willing to go out and like fall on the sword a little bit, and it's like he took all the blame for everything. He he went constantly went back and back and back about how it's his fault. And even when the interviewers in the in the pod, in the interview try to turn it and like make it up, like just try to turn it into something positive, talk about something positive, he's like, no, 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 no. we're going like he he turned it back around. He's like, no. This is me. I fucked up. This is my bad. I'm taking the hit for this. So, um, I will always appreciate that, you know, because um, you very rarely see that. Whether it's the big, the big cheese at this giant Fortune 500 company, right. or it's your 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 direct at your job that has like seven people on this team. It's very, it's a very rare sight to see. So, uh, there's a part of me that will always um, respect that in a way. Um, but Gables, we went really long on that. Um, <laughs> But let's uh, let's move on here. Some uh, some other news this week. Um, let me uh, here it is. Sorry. All righty. So Gables. Yes. Zelda has leaked. It's yep. online. Tears of the Kingdom has leaked. 
Uh, so keep an eye on that, people. Um, definitely sucks. Sounds like uh, you know the 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 switch was jailbroken like a year and a half ago, I guess, mm-hmm. and a lot of people got in that way. And it's also it's on it's like the mods are on PC, so uh, just be wary when you go online, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. If you can, whatever. though, if you're like on sites like Twitter or something like that, make sure to go to mute terms and stuff, so that mm-hmm. way you could try to avoid things. I mean, honestly, we're in an age here where like avoiding any type of spoilers is almost impossible, but at the same time. If you're using mobile like anyone else and stuff, then if you have to, do some extremes. If you don't think, like, meeting terms will go through, just delete certain social apps and stuff like that. And then, like, just not go and readily look for anything Legend of Zelda related right now. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, just be careful. Uh, You know, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just came out uh, Friday um, Mm to theaters. And it's going to be very difficult because I'm not going to be able to see in theaters, but, like... um, I've already seen people like posting stuff online. Like luckily knock on wood here. Uh, I don't want to knock too loud. Cause I want my dog to hear him go crazy. But, um, you know, like I'm trying very hard not to be spoiled for that thing. And I've already seen people posting about it. I've already seen like TikToks posted about jokes about the movie. And I'm like, ah, scroll quickly. Uh, so yeah, I get it. Um, but, uh, you know, Zelda Treehouse will be on May 11th as well. Uh, they're going to do some, some gameplay for that game the day before it comes out. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, so speaking of Xbox here again, uh, they did announce a time on June 11th, which you already known, uh, the Xbox showcase with the Starfield showcase directly afterwards. will be kicking off at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 12 uh, p.m. Uh, uh, Central time. So right. that'll be the time for that. And uh, also, Double Dragon Gaiden Rise of the Dragons is coming this summer. Gables to everything. So pretty cool oh looking gosh. game. I'll tell you what, though. It did look pretty fun. It did look pretty good, though. Double Dragon yeah. as a series has been hit and miss, but at the same time, it was really random during this past week, just waking up and all of a sudden turning on the PS5, checking out the YouTube app, and all of a sudden it's like, a new Double Dragon. What? What's this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. So we're in an age now where the beat-em-up has not only made a big resurgence and stuff, but now it's getting to the point where now other people are bringing back classic beat-em-ups in order to try to get some piece of that pie and yet yeah, double dragon definitely fits that mold yeah so that's awesome to see that's coming back uh the downside though they said that the uh, online multiplayer portion portion won't come out till later though oh right such a but missed the, opportunity the, come on <laughs> yeah that, that, i feel like you should just might as well just wait till the game uh till it's ready to put the game out but uh gables i have to pee so I'm going to okay. let you talk about what you've been playing this week. Okay, buddy? Alrighty. All right. Okay, everyone. So in terms of gaming this week, other than like uh, getting my Switch OLED and stuff like that, I decided that I wanted to play and delve into Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. I am on Mission 9 for Advance Wars 1. And let me tell you something. Getting to that point, it had to me to try to relearn a lot of the different aspects of Advance Wars. First off, trying to realize it's a strategy game and not a turn-based RPG and stuff, kind of like what I'm used to with, say, Fire Emblem. Meaning, it doesn't matter if, like, say, I go and use certain units and stuff and they end up, like, dying or something like that. I mean, I can always go through and just, like, spend the necessary funds and stuff to, like, say, spawn another, like... uh infantry men or spawn another tank if i have to you know but 
in the grand scheme of things, though, I am liking Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. The game looks, it looks fantastic. I mean, having a chance to play it on the OLED screen over the past couple of nights and stuff, just delving into maybe a mission or two here or there, or trying one mission over and over again. I mean, I'm loving the presentation of it. I'm loving how ease of use has gotten even better in regards to this game, to where things are readily explained in good detail. There is a casual mode in case, like, say you want, if you're like, say you're still brand new to strategy games, you don't want to play, like, say on the normal mode or something, you can switch it down to casual. It won't be as intense, but there's still going to be some challenge involved with it. I mean, we're pretty much talking about a game of like, uh, game of war chess pretty much but uh through my initial experience i went through the tutorial i've had a chance to play with two co's so far which is andy and max andy is the dude that has this hyper repair ability to where it if he gets his meter all built up and stuff if you do a lot of things right you get to use his ability and stuff and it fixes like a lot of his units and stuff so that way instead of like having say five like five durability or something like say on your tank. And if he uses that hyper thing, it'll probably pump it up to like around, I want to say about, I want to say about seven, eight or something like that. So it can be significant in certain moments. I've used that a couple different times in a couple of missions so far to where there was this one mission. I was against this one CEO by the name of grit. Who's a part of the blue moon faction at this moment in time, the story to where he's more, Grit is more of like a CO that's like more of indirect combat sort of unit, like indirect combat sort of CO and stuff. So where I used Andy's ability was basically whenever I would get in like a certain situation stuff to where I box in a whole bunch of his like his different units and stuff, say, what was it? Yeah, say for like, say one of the maps, one of the missions where it involves fog, the fog of war stuff. Yeah. I basically saved his ability up until I got a good cluster of them, then used that in order to try to steamroll about two or three of his units and stuff and just destroy them outright. From the enemy COs at this point in time, I mean, you have Olaf, which is basically the dude that has his blizzard ability, which freezes the whole entire battlefield, right? But also it makes movement with certain units less, unless you have like a main road with certain vehicles. But I have had issues with like that ability in terms of trying to get a good a good feel like movement so to try to box in some of his like like units or some of his vehicles like say for example try to get in close say like on a missile like a missile or rocket launcher type of like vehicles so i can do like direct attacks on them to try to like destroy them faster but uh i thought grits was actually pretty devastating in certain aspects because I think it was like mission eight or something. I had to face off against him. I could choose between either Max or Andy. I chose Andy because if I would have chose Max, he's more of a close combat sort of CO to where he'll pump up the power and stuff. Whereas some of his close combat units, he'll just go through and try to destroy like certain like enemy units or something hyper quick for that turn. But the thing about grid is he has an ability to where he'll emphasize it will magnet it would actually more and expand the field of vision of long distance indirect vehicles right and so if you're in range then if you get hit by that it could be potentially devastating for example he had this one unit that was like a uh, i want to say a rockets unit that was hidden like in this little 
it looked like a little chunk of like an island or something like that, right? And so here I got some of my like tanks or something like that going across, and all of a sudden I see him use his ability, him literally take down one of my tanks and stuff like that to half of initial thing in like the one turn. And I'm like, okay, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> or what spot on the map there? It's covered by a fog of war. I have to use my recon unit in order to try to go for the clear away of the map. I'm loving the element of strategy and the element of challenge so far. I'm still trying to get used to capturing certain points because I'm now in mission nine right now to where a bunch of what I need to do is trying to not only simultaneously get about 12 outposts and stuff like that claimed, but I also have to try to keep the enemy like NPCs, like the enemy like, uh, like the enemy commander and stuff like that going through and getting all that stuff. I've tried it out twice. Going to be delving into it. Like uh, I'll be delving back into it fairly soon, but my overall impression has been positive. I really loved how Nintendo have re like pretty much remade advance wars here from the ground up and still retained a lot of like its original appeal and also its original things. I want I have like a goal where I try to I want to try to finish the original Advance Wars for the first time and stuff before I go and uh, play Tears of the Kingdom because it's going to be one of those things where if I mm -hmm. don't finish this game I'm not going to go back to it. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I've been playing for this past week. All right. Um. So I, I like I mentioned at the top I've been playing uh some uh, Redfall. Play like three hours of it. It's everything you heard. It's uh, I've had too many bug issues. I've had some like frame rate issues, but like bugs, not so much. AI is completely terrible. Have you um, done the aspects to where you've uh, gone around vehicles and stuff and just let the vampires or something like that just try to just get froze or something like that and don't advance further in uh, position? I, I've heard of that. I have not seen that. No, um, <laughs> I've had a lot of the dumb AI where like you snipe the. You kill the guy and like like five feet from the AI and he doesn't even recognize the fact I killed the guy five feet from him. <laughs> I love that. Um, the game, it, it looks like it was made in 2015. Um, yeah, like uh, it's the gameplay is not fun. Um, the the power ups for your individual characters are borderline useless. Um, yeah, the game is just not good. It's just just it's just a bad game which sucks it's just a bad game um yeah like i said i was super excited for that game uh, i wouldn't like thinking it was like 10 out of 10 but i was like i was going over like all right this could be a fun you know 20 hour 8 out of 10 game and that's kind of what i was hoping for and yeah just it is what it is um but the game was the one game i played a shit ton of yeah star wars jedi survivor um yeah i ended up finishing that game good uh took me probably like I was somewhere between like 25, 30 hours, but I did a bunch of side shit. Um, and this is everything I was hoping Fallen Order would be. Uh, it is one of the best games of the year. It might be the game of the year. Um, absolutely adore this game. You know, like I tell a lot about Fallen Order. Like I even replayed it last month. I was playing initially at launch, and I'm like, this game still feels floaty. Feels like a 8 out of 10 maybe. At best, 7.5, 8 out of 10 kind of in that area. area. And they like I said last week I only played like the initial area um where like you could just feel the budget and the time they had like they built upon that first game so much where they had like the five stances uh the graphically it's a lot better 
The combat feels way better. Uh, traversing around the world is much better. He just, I love the, the fact where it's like, they just take everything you've learned in the first game, Fallen Order, that you just start with in this game, like yeah. the double jump, you know, the, the wall dash, things like that. Like um, your, your, your force abilities that you learn, um, you just start with those. And cause like once, cause a lot of problems, like you learn a lot of that shit in that, in the first game, but you learn it as you go. And some of the best stuff, like a double jump, you learn like 80% through the game. And it's like, that's one of like the best parts of the tra- traversing of the game. And also the wall running. And they just start off with that makes the game feel like a lot, much better getting around. You move a lot faster. Getting around the world is just so much better. It's not, it doesn't feel like such a slog. Um, I like I said, the combat is much better. Cause like in the first game, like my, when I replayed it, uh, just a month ago, I was like, I just didn't, I, I actively ran past people. I was like, I'm just trying to mainline this thing. I don't want to fight anybody. It's not fun to fight. Uh, but I thought that story was fantastic. The story is much better in this game. I love Cal Kestis. I love Marin. I love uh, Seer, uh, Greasy Money, my boy. Um, I really loved um, kind of what I did with all that and some of the new characters they add, like Bode and uh, a few other ones as well. And like, it felt very Mass Effect 2-ish to me where like, the, the game is about getting the, like, because like, you start off the game with like, you're not with your crew anymore. You're doing your own thing. Right. And then like, part of the game is like, getting the crew back together but also adding new members. And then you have like, you have like, um, Gre- Grease uh, owns like a bar, a saloon uh, on one of the planets you go to. And like as you progress, you add more. You introduce you introduce to new characters. You do side missions for them, and then they come. They basically go to your saloon, and like oh. they give you like side missions, or like you can talk to them and learn a lot of like backstories, like stuff like that. And like that's kind of the Mass Effect Two part of it to me, where it's like you're just like you're building your like you you have your you're getting your old crew back together, but you also like you're adding all these new people, and you can every time you go back to the like that area. You can go talk to them and you can like learn new things about them, about like the world you're in or like they give you new missions to do and stuff like that. And I really love that. And, like you initially have to do like a mission for them to even join your crew, which is great too. So um, yeah, I really liked all that. Um, I don't want to talk about too much about the, the story because it's, it's fantastic and I won't spoil anything, but it's, it's uh, amazing story. Uh, I thought, and I am excited if we get a third game, I'm really excited where they go with it. Cause like there's a lot of places they, they do a good job, like much like the first game, I thought they did a good job of like wrapping it up in case I didn't get a sequel, but right. also like leaving enough there to like they can build upon to a sequel if they were able to make one. And I think they did the same thing there with this game. But like I said, like in the first game, I actively just avoided combat. In this game, like I was going on my way to like fight people. And like they have, like I mentioned, like they have like you go meditate, which is like the bonfires of the Dark Souls thing. So every time you meditate, if you rest and reset all of your, uh, your health right. potions and stuff like that. It like resets all the enemies that you've killed. Uh, and they come back. I'm like, all right, I'll go fight them again. Um, like the, the mini bosses you can find throughout the world are amazing. Like uh, one of the characters you get introduced to, like uh, she like gives you like st- stuff, to, like tells you where, like where those bounty hunters hunting you. She tells you where they are. So you can go fight them. And they're like, those fights are fucking awesome. The <laughs> boss fights and the main boss fights in this game are fucking cool as hell. Um, the side missions are fun. Like doing like they have some, uh, they have some cool like little temples you can go into and like you can uh, solve puzzles in. Uh, kind of feel like uh, almost like shrines in a way or like some of the assassin reminds me of like Assassin's Creed 2 where like you can go and like go to like some assassins like temples in that game and like solve some puzzles and do some like uh, platforming right. to like uh, solve and learn about the past. Some of these things. Um, and I really liked all that. So like the lore and the backstories you learn. Like, yeah, I, 
I absolutely adored this game. I could not put it down. Uh, I like I said, I it was so easy for me to like uh, to like I, on one hand, like I wanted to keep. I love the story so much and the characters. I want to keep like uh, going through this game, but like it was so easy for me to like every time I get like close to something, I'm like, I'm going to talk to that guy. Oh, he gave me like, he tells you like, a, he gives you a side mission. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go like figure out what's going on with these Jawas over here. Or, oh, there's a, there's a bounty hunter here that wants to kill me. I'm going to go fight this fucker. Or, um, so Jedi Temple, stuff like that. Like I, I constantly was like, anytime I talked to somebody, they gave me a side mission. I was going to go do it. Like I could not, Help myself the new planets you go on to like there there's not a lot of them i think it's like four which i think the first commander four and really only like one of the it's, i thought one of the planets in the first game was actually really cool and the rest are like meh uh in this game i thought all of them were really cool a couple of them are smaller but like the two there's like two main ones they focus on that like feel big initially but then like as you like gain new abilities and stuff like that like you unlock new areas and they come they're fucking huge um, and like all the areas are way bigger and there's just much more shit to do in them. Uh, but not like overwhelming to the extent of like, it's a map game, like a Assassin's Creed or something like that. But like, um, yeah, like I, I feel like what you do in that game, like the, the side missions you do, stuff like that, like, like the little things you can search for, knickknacks, stuff you can get, like really do like nothing feels wasted. And I was like, there's so much fun to play this game that like, I didn't like, I, I wanted to keep doing them. Like I didn't have any issues doing them. So. Yeah, to me, like, it's going to be hard for this game not to be, like, in my game of, the, like, that top three portion of my game of the year. Like, I don't know. Right. Um, like, there's a couple games in my mind that are, like, competing with it still in my head. But, like, I don't know. It's going to take a lot, hell of a lot for, the, like, something to knock it out of that era, uh, area. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, I know they're like I've ran some to some small technical issues. Like I've heard some, it's definitely one of those cases where like it's kind of like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, where like you played through that entire game and you had like barely any issues, and I played through that game and I had all kinds of issues. I talked to right. people and I've read about people like on consoles at least that have had like a ton of issues. Like I had one crash that was annoying. Um, I had a couple weird issues where like um, like BD One, your little robot friend that's with you, like instead of like sitting on your back like he always does, like he was just like hovering above me instead uh-huh. uh and then like i ended up like i think i just jumped in the water and i got out and never fixed it for me um <laughs> and i've had some like frame rate issues here and there but it's awfully it was weird as the frame rate issues were always during cutscenes, yeah. uh and they weren't like drastic like they weren't like all throughout there like certain scenes were like there's fast paced stuff happening but like in gameplay there wasn't really a lot i played it all on uh quality i believe it's quality the one where it runs to 60 Performance. performance performance is yeah i played it performance so 60 for a second and there were some frame rates here and there but it wasn't like egregious anyway um so yeah like if and if you're a star wars fan at all like i am someone that is like been all over the place with star wars the last you know 20 years of my life especially the last like five six years where you know, post rise of skywalker i've been so off of uh, star wars and this was like the first thing um that's come from really since last jedi that i've like a lo- i like truly adore from uh star wars so um yeah big time recommend for me uh to check this game out it's one of the um even if you're not a star wars fan it's just a great fucking game so just play it um you know i i, I was telling a friend of ours josh yoshi fett that uh he was asking me about it because he, he's a huge star wars fan obviously his online name is yoshi fett 
But, um, right. you know, he was asking because he did not like Fallen Order. Um, and I was like, dude, just watch like, just like a, just watch like a 20 minute video on YouTube about Fallen Order, the story, the story, because it's fantastic. And just play this game. And I think I might talk him into it. So, um, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyways, fantastic game. One of the best games of the year. Um, Jedi Fallen, uh, Jedi Survivor. Sorry. Uh, it's gonna be tough for me not to fuck that up. But yeah, uh, that's all I've been playing. Uh, I think that's it for this week as well. As well. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe. Uh, just, you know, follow us everywhere: uh, Twitch, Facebook, uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Uh, check out Extra Life as well. Um, all the links are down below in the description. Um, like I said, or tell your friends. Most importantly, share. Tell your friends. We really would appreciate it. The more you guys do stuff like that, the more it helps us out. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but I was your host. I was Tyler. And I've been Colonel Gable, so until next time, everyone, play some fun games. But thank you again for listening to another fun-filled episode of the Drunk-Nerds Podcast. And hey, Gables. Yeah. Too sweet. Too sweet, man. Bye, guys. See ya.